2: To get
1: started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight
0: loss.
2: Welcome to the gang. You know, the one you never asked to be a part of. You are listening to the Grief Gang Podcast with me, your host, Amber Jeffrey. This podcast has been created to tackle the tough but important conversations around grief with authenticity, realness and having a laugh whilst we're at it. Look, we're all going to experience grief at some point in our life, in some way or another. So it's good to talk about it so that it's not much of a nightmare when it comes knocking at our doors. Grief can be incredibly lonely and isolating, but you don't have to feel lonely Alone. On this podcast, you will hear various different stories and experiences. Ones that will uplift you, inspire you, break your heart, mend your heart, and get you asking yourself some big questions. Some of these stories are my own, some are from the wonderful growing grief gang community, and some are from the incredible guest interviews. You will most likely cry. I hope somewhere along the line you can get a giggle in, but I promise you, you will learn something. I haven't got a clue what you'll take away, but I know you will take away something. So, this might be weird to say given the context, but happy listening. The devil are you? Welcome back to another episode of the Grief Gang Podcast. This week I am talking to my friend Katie Dowen. Katie and I met back in, oh my god, it actually feels like a lifetime ago now. Katie and I met back in the win, the February. Yes, that's right, the February of 2020. And how Katie and I met was through the wonderful The New Normal Charity. You will have, if you follow me on the Instagram, have heard me talk about them and rave about them all the time. The New Normal Charity... Um, host regular meetups for bereaved people and there's loads of spin-off groups and stuff like that. So do check them out at TNN Charity on Instagram. Um, but this was pre-pandemic and I met Katie the day that I recorded an interview with the two founders of the charity, Jack and Ben. And on that day, I decided to uh, stay after their are recording together and actually attend one of their in-person meetings at the time that they were still holding before we obviously went into lockdown and I've got into this room I'm just like yeah okay like I'll stay and I'll hang out and just see what one of your actual meetings are really like and of course it was amazing and just so it was my first ever proper real experience like being um in an in-person like bereavement group so it was just like all new to me and I was sat amongst these people as we were just talking about our grief and just like br- bringing our grievances, quite literally. And I was sat next to this lovely woman who I was so nervous and like so scared to put my head out, oh, just to speak really, just. and I was kind of just taking it all in. And to the left of me was the lovely Katie. And I remember just like gravitating towards her and just... It's a smiling in her presence and as she spoke about her grief and she was so eloquent and just mesmerizing and so we stayed in contact and she follows grief gang and she's just a wonderful wonderful human being and As of recently, as I've been planning this season five of the podcast and I'm now full swing in it, I knew that when I wanted to do the season, I knew that this was the season that I wanted to put on my big girl pants and address and cover um, addiction and not just like loss by addiction, addiction as a whole because, and after you listen to today's episode um you'll understand what i mean just then about not just saying about uh, death by addiction but just like loss as a whole when it comes to addiction because addiction i feel it's it's still i hate the word taboo and i use it all, i've used it all the time addiction can be such a taboo topic for people and it will stay taboo unless we start talking about it and i think i probably definitely played my part in that of um as i said to katie off off mic of i think what's taken me so long was that i really wanted to do this right by both people um who have lost loved ones by addiction or have lived with addiction so that's why throughout this sort of mini series of the addiction series you will hear different stories and perspectives through what it is like to live a loss by and with addiction but for today's episode, I am speaking to Katie as when I did a call out a good couple of months ago about a specific area of addiction that I would like to cover, Katie so kindly and as I said, eloquently, wrote me a letter and I knew as soon as I finished reading it and my jaw was on the floor, but not in like a you know shock at the story, just shock, not even shock, but just really taken aback at how just eloquent and I knew this, but... Um, in detail Katie told me her story and I knew straight away that I had to have her on the podcast I knew that I would never be able to do it justice just reading her letter and I, I knew and I just know that this episode will bring such value to anybody who is living with this experience and also who hasn't as well i like to think that even though so many stories that i may share on here may not actually directly resonate with you but at least that you give it the time to hear these these people's stories and try and understand and i think it just makes us all for better human beings doesn't it um and so once you hear this today i hope it kind of um you walk away with some learnings and just or see some insight as i hope every single episode and so for today's episode, Katie is talking to me about a living loss. We're talking about a living loss today. Katie, um, Katie's mother died when she was 23, but today for today's purposes, we are talking about the loss and the living loss that Katie has experienced of her ex-husband. Katie's ex-husband was and is still as present to say, living with addiction and how living with that addiction and being married to somebody with that addiction um, and the grief that is tied to that. I have really come to learn that grief is not just tied to somebody dying in your life. You can absolutely grieve for somebody and something that is still alive, well and kicking. And what does it look like to grieve when someone is still alive and it's still present and it still roams this earth. Um, what does that grief look like? How do you tend to it? How do you, when you've actually been bereaved as well, bereaved by a death and then go through this sort of like grief, how do you live with the both in tandem? These are all the questions that I'm asking Katie today. And she so beautifully, um, shares her, her experience of that with us today. It is, um, She's so graceful in this episode and just in general and at the end I said to her I said you've got grace beyond years Um, and I think there's life lessons in this episode that can apply to everybody even regardless of if this being your experience or not. So I've rambled on a little bit too much for this introduction. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and that you stick it out and listen all the way through because it is just amazing and Katie is amazing and for anybody who is struggling and potentially living living in this situation living in this scenario you're not alone and please do reach out as help is there for you oh well Katie thank you so much for joining me here today on the grief gang podcast it's so so lovely to have you here and to see your face after so so many years thank you for having me oh you're a superstar honestly there's no one else that when i received so many submissions like for this episode and just people sharing their stories of when i read yours i had no doubt the response was going to be after please come on the podcast
1: <laughs> <laughs> well i'm i'm honored to be a part of it so thank you
2: oh thank you so katie could you spend a bit of time and um, telling the listeners a bit about you and your story and how you relate to today's topic
1: Sure, yeah. So um, I lost my mom um, when I was 23 in 2012. Um, So that's kind of my first major experience with loss. Hmm. Um, And in terms of the topic we're discussing today, um, I had already met my husband, now ex husband, unfortunately, um, and he um, is an addict. And so it's a living loss, really, because unfortunately our marriage has ended as a result of his addiction
2: mm.
1: uh, after two and a half years of marriage.
2: Yeah, thank you for sharing that, KD. And do you mind taking us back to kind of where it all began and kind of the roller coaster that you've been on, and what it has been like to live with a living loss? Because the reason why, like I said in the introduction of this, that wanting to speak about a living loss and why, although my podcast is predominantly about grief and the grief of a death of a person. Mm -hmm. When I came to this new season, I really wanted to explore living losses because I feel like the word grief is, um, not just tied to the death of a loved one and a person that, you know, that we care for and love for it's grief. Yeah. And I think the pandemic has really shone a light on that for me. And as, um, as the, the, my podcast has grown and the community has grown that I'm now coming into contact with more people who are resonating with grief gang. It just went the word grief, but they're like, I haven't had anybody die. So they just don't know where to place themselves. And they feel like dis- they're like disemplaced. They're, like dis- they're like, I resonate with the words of the people who have had people die in their lives, but I don't feel like it's maybe okay to, um, uh, t- put myself into the grieving community. And I'm like, No, but you are you totally are you're grieving and to accept that I guess is the step forward to healing yourself but yeah would you mind taking us back to sort of the beginning if that's okay with you
1: well we lived on the same road um so I was 18 working in the local pub and he came in and recognized me we lived four doors away from each other and I hadn't seen him or noticed him before and he said oh I think you live down my road and Mm. We kind of hit it off from there. Um, There was a six-year age difference between us. He was a little bit older. Um, And for me, it was that first huge love. Mm. Um, You know, the rainbows and the butterflies. Um, I was absolutely head over heels in love with him. Um, And I knew he was an addict. And I knew that he was um, living a clean life. Mm -hmm. And we, at that point, we, we ended up being together for seven and a half years, and it was quite a volatile relationship. Neither of us knew how to communicate effectively with each other. Mm-hmm. So a lot of um, shouting, we'd break up, we'd get back together, break up, get back together again. Yeah. Um, and after seven and a half years, we called it quits. And that was after the death of my mum. I realised that life was too short, and both of us were unhappy, and we went our separate ways. Um, and we were apart for... Just over two years, um, I had another relationship. He decided to stay single and work on himself, and we had no contact for that entire time. We lived two roads away from each other, didn't see each other the entire time, and it just so happened that we were both single and bumped into each other at the bottom of my road, and kind of those sparks were still there, so... It started as a friendship and just getting to know each other again. And we had both done a lot of work on ourselves as individuals, and we thought, you know what, that love is still there, and we'll give it a go. And we were really happy. We were. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, the little niggles of oh, you've left the toilet seat up, (laughs) or you've left the pants on the floor. You know, just silly things. But we were. What I thought we were genuinely very, very happy. Um, So a couple of years in, we got engaged. Um we both like to do adventure star holidays and we were trekking um to Annapurna base camp in Nepal and we got to the base camp and he proposed and we were overlooking a glacier and it was absolutely beautiful and it was it was magical and I just I was on cloud 9 um yeah. and we got back and started planning our wedding and little cracks started to appear he was very anxious about being up in front of people but He decided that's what he wanted. He wanted his friends and his family there. So he carried on planning. Um, And a year after getting engaged, he went on his stag do. Um, And he is very much, he's quite like me. I'm a people pleaser. And he's also a people pleaser. Mm. Don't like letting people down. And his friends wanted to recreate a holiday they'd all been on as 18 year olds.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and to go away and go to Tenerife and have a party that's not what he wanted to do but he didn't want to tell them that Mm -hmm. so they went to Tenerife um, and they all knew about his struggles with his addiction and that he was clean and they assured me that he would be safe and looked after and even though he wasn't himself when he came back He assured me everything was fine, it's just wedding anxiety, we were two months away from the wedding, once it's over he would be back to normal and so we persevered, we pushed through and I I believed him Um, and it only transpired three months after the wedding that he'd relapsed on that holiday with his friends Mm -hmm. and he'd carried on using once he was home Mm -hmm. Um, and they thought that he... Could just pick it up and put it down and everything would be fine yeah. he'd been clean for very long and it wouldn't be a problem and they didn't realize that actually he had continued to struggle as he'd kept that to himself
2: yeah.
1: um and he'd kept it from everyone and he had really kind of started to live a double life yeah
0: um
1: and it it, it did take over he yeah. sold his flat so that we could buy a place together. Um, I I own a property with my sister, This is where we um, bought after our mum died. And so the idea was that we would sell this and he would sell his flat. We'd get our first home and have a family. And um, unfortunately, he spent all of the money, um, a lot of money, um, over an 18-month period. Um, And it took a while for him to tell me that that's what he'd done and 11 months into our marriage we separated because of it and we kept in contact and were trying to work through it Um, and after four months he did come come back to the house and we did try and make a go of things again but within a few months it was quite clear that he was still really struggling and he wanted to do things by himself Um, He didn't want to accept that he needed someone's help, but he knew that he needed to have other help, professional help, but he Mm -hmm. wanted to ask for it by himself. I offered to go to um, NA or Narcotics Anonymous groups with him Mm -hmm. um, to take him there physically, to go to meetings that I would be allowed to be a part of, um, to take him and I'd sit in the car outside, um, Mm -hmm. to go to a therapist, to go to a couples therapist, he he just did not want to do those things. He was not ready, and he kept spiraling. Um, he had a couple of mental breakdowns, and then he appeared to kind of be picking himself back up. And throughout this whole process, from the stag do really onwards, he'd been in and out of work, which was also affecting his mental health and his mm-hmm. financial position. Um, and it kind of all of came to kind of came to a head January of last year. Um, he'd conned me out of money, Um, he wasn't working, he wasn't taking care of himself, we were living completely separate lives. Um, He would be up all night using drugs, I would be working, paying the bills by myself, struggling through, and I'd come home and be upstairs. So it became a very toxic and unhealthy environment for both of us, not Mm -hmm. just me, it was both of us. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just had to kind of rip the plaster off and say, neither of us are happy as individuals mm-hmm. or as a couple, And I think it's best if, if we separate. Yeah. It took me a long time to come to terms with that because I carried a lot of embarrassment and a lot of mm-hmm. shame about the fact that my marriage had failed. Yeah. And a lot of people had said to me, Oh, you know, people can't change. He won't change. And, I think the stubborn part of me was like, I'll prove you wrong.
2: Um, Yeah. And more the part of, even the stubborn part, Katie. the part of, you love this person. And you love them with your whole being. And, you know, whatever vows you took on your wedding, it's sickness and health, better for worse. It's you don't, you don't, you know, I, I I feel like some some people's values are different and kind of will easier throw in the towel and kind of won't stand for like we all have different thresholds, and it's so hard when you're up against like listening to you and and you know hearing you now the uh, words at your own mouth is story of, you know I think before when I read your letter I thought poor she took on a lot and I wonder if I would I would do the same. And it's just so different when you, I don't know, hearing now, listening, I'd be like, I'd do the same. I would do the same. I'd go to the end of the earth and just exhaust every resource so I can go, I tried. I really tried.
1: I think if anyone else was sat in front of me asking for advice in the same situation, I'd be like, are you crazy? (laughs) Don't you value yourself enough? You know, um, But having been through it, it's totally different. And like you say, that Mm. love is so all-encompassing. And I could see who he was before. I knew Mm. who he was before. And accepting that person was gone was devastating. That person doesn't exist. That person I loved so much that was affectionate, that made me laugh, that did little things for me, like, you know, it would be really cold so we'd go into frost the car so I wouldn't have Mm. to do it before work you know who'd run me a bath because I had a stressful day just those little thoughtful things that that person was gone
2: yeah
1: and that that was really really hard because he's not a horrible person he's not a bad person he has such a huge amount of potential and he's just an 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 unwell person and that's Mm. the sad thing about it and I think part of the hold which kind of relates back to my previous loss my mum knew him my mum was loved just him. about
2: to ask I was just about to ask yeah, yeah. do you think there's a reason why you held on for Solon because he was yeah. part of a part of history for you that absolutely. is now lost I, I absolutely I would echo absolutely the same yeah
1: yeah my mum knew him and while she she fully accepted him as an individual and she knew that he had Um, issues that he had to deal with but she loved him and she could see Mm. him for who he 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 is and for me knowing that my mum's not here but she'd met my husband and you know the person that I thought would be the father of my children
2: yeah
1: it's almost another kind of loss of a connection to my mum
2: it's a touchstone to memory like you're you're losing someone who also has memories of her too and so then consciously deciding to like eradicate that of your life you're then losing another piece of mum and it may not feel like that in the immediate time but you realize you look and you look back and you go like wow that's another another deeper part of this that potentially people externally who are just saying Leave him. Like, look what he's doing to you. Do you not? Yeah, do you not value yourself? Blah blah blah. It's like it's so much more deeper, ingrained than that.
1: It is a shame because, like I say, he when he's sober, gosh, he his energy is amazing, and he's so funny and witty. He's got great banter. He's kind of the life and soul of the party. Yeah, um, and he just makes everyone around him happy, and. Unfortunately, that's not the side of him that I've seen in a number of years.
2: Millions of people have lost weight with
1: personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads
0: and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? Right.
2: Being both bereaved by a death and with this, like, I want I want to know and I want to ask Katie of like in in those the immediacy kind of like after you decided to to end your marriage, um, did you notice and now upon reflection, like looking back, did you notice any similarities in how when after your mum died, to when you split up with your husband, to kind of like that grieving. You know, raw, raw days and weeks after, like, did it feel familiar?
1: In a horrible way, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: I think the biggest difference, I think, is my mum, while she was terminally ill, died very suddenly, and I had not accepted the fact that she was going to die 23. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know the world, she's going to be fine. She's going yeah. to be here forever. What are you talking about? Whereas in my mind, I think I had kind of accepted my marriage was over a few months before it, I actually verbalized that it was over.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but the action of saying it and putting it out there into reality, it destroyed me. Mm-hmm. And I think as well, having to be the person to make the decision rather than my mum dying kind of happened to me. Yeah. That wasn't a choice yeah. I made. Whereas this was, while it was a decision I made, wasn't any less painful. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the crying, the staying in bed, the the breaking down for no reason. And then that kind of euphoric high of, I'm going to be fine. Life's great. Yeah. I'm still mm-hmm. here. That pendulum of emotions. Absolutely. Those few months afterwards. And even the have I done the right thing? No, I need to take him back. Yeah. He can't survive without me. I can't survive without mm. him. What am I doing? This is yeah. crazy. No, 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 I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm fine. I deserve better. But yeah. do I deserve better? Am I an awful human being for walking away from somebody that needs help? Mm. I took my vows very, very seriously. Mm. And I think if we had been boyfriend and girlfriend, just cohabiting together. I think it would have been different in that I might have walked away a little bit sooner.
2: Yeah, I I can understand that, totally.
1: Yeah, I I took my marriage vows seriously. And I think another part of it, my mum is buried in a burial park that has a beautiful ceremonial hall. That's where I had my wedding. Mm. And we actually had a blessing at her graveside, just the two of us, um, and a celebrant after the ceremony. And so it's also having to have that connection every time mm-hmm. I go and visit my mum oh I got married here and even yeah. the staff there to this day don't know that we're not together and yeah. I go there
2: oh she had the most beautiful wedding here I'm like oh yeah 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 they're, they're a little <laughs> to the wound yep yeah, thanks for that guys yeah.
1: yep <laughs> and don't mean it in a horrible way
2: of course not yeah don't.
1: but just to have to be like it was a beautiful day it was a wonderful yeah. day but it's gone
2: yeah. to yes. look back and to go like, there were beautiful parts of this. And I found it so interesting of you saying of how like, this is a new layer and like an additional grief to what you've already experienced. And as you kind of said, though, like, it's like voluntary, but in a way it's not voluntary. It's like your arm was twisted behind your back. You've been put into a situation that I think actually, whether, you know, if you were to have stayed you would have been grieving still. You, you would still be grieving for the partner that you wanted him to be and for the life that you wanted to have together. So Absolutely. either way, you would have just always kind of been in a state of grieving and having to live by and witness somebody that you love so dearly kind of just change before your eyes every single day. And just that uncertainty of you just don't know of how how far is it going to go this time and, you know, the, the potential, the final straw of being conned by him for money and so so, so in, at that point, Katie, was that, for my next question, I'm kind of, you know, when, when and how did you know when I need to walk away for the better of not only for yourself but for him as well and kind of what were the kind of conversations you were having with yourself and with him, if applicable, to actually go, this will be best for both of us?
1: Yeah. So October 21 was when I found out about the money yeah. um, in the February we needed work doing on our garage and his best friend's dad was able to do the work. That's mm-hmm. what he does. Um, and so I gave him cash to give to him as a deposit. And he said to me, yeah, I'm waiting for him to come and, and do it. He's doing it on a good price for us. So I need to wait until he's free. And this went all the way through into the summer of me asking almost weekly, well, when's he coming? He's got my mm-hmm. money. When's he coming to do the job? And in my gut, I said to him, this doesn't feel right. I feel like you're not being honest. Just be honest. If, you, if you've taken the money and you're going to be honest with me about it, that's fine. We can work through it. No, no, no. I promise you, he's got the money. So I rang him myself and asked yeah. him. He didn't have the money. He'd never been given the money. He was waiting to be called to be booked in. So I just went home and I just said, we need to have a chat. Um, I know you didn't give him the money. Where is it? Oh, I had to pay a debt, okay? Um, the trust is gone. Yeah. and for for me, out of everything that had happened previously, I felt that there was this unwritten rule that we had each other's backs, and I'm keeping a roof over our heads, and I'm taking care of him as best I can. Why would he would never do that to me?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then he did it to me. And yeah. I just thought, I can't do this. And so I said to him at that point, you can, you are the only person that can fix this. I can't put any more effort into fixing this relationship. Mm-hmm. Emotionally, I'm spent. I, I need you to step up now and either you fix this marriage or we have no future. And that yeah. was October time. And so he just became more distant from that day onwards. He refused to share a bed with me, not through me kicking him out, but just um, mm-hmm. his own shame, I think. Yeah. He would stay yeah. up all night, fall asleep on the sofa. And then, as his behavior spiraled, I found myself um I would wake up early every morning to see if he was either I could hear him snoring downstairs or if he'd made it to the spare bedroom, was asleep in there um or if he was moving around because I had got to the point where I was terrified I was going to wake up and find him dead
0: yeah
1: and that is not normal
0: no <laughs> it's yeah. not normal
1: to live that way to lie in bed thinking. Well, oh, he's snoring. Okay, he's alive today. Okay, I can get yeah. up and get with my day. Um, and not really saying anything to each other, but living mm-hmm. in a happy. Life. Um, and then that Christmas, I got COVID, and I was really ill. I couldn't get out of bed for five days. And he took care of me. He did. He's he stepped up. He got me medicine, um, and he did take care of me. And I thought, oh my gosh, there's a glimpse. Maybe there's a glimpse. But actually, I was bedridden, so he was able to do what he wanted without yeah. me kind of casting any judgment or um knowing what he was doing because I couldn't get out of bed um mm-hmm. and with my job I had annual leave booked over christmas and new year that I then had to give up because I'd been off sick um and I needed the money I had to go back to work yeah um which meant I missed my stepmom's 60th birthday a surprise birthday I couldn't be a part of it because I was at work um My dad's 61st birthday um, and he's only been back in my life three years. So that was quite an important event for us to share together. And he wasn't Mm -hmm. phased that I'd missed those really important family moments. And that was kind of it for me. Um, Mm. My mind, I just thought there's no coming back. He doesn't care. Yeah. And how do you, how do you make someone care about you? You can't care about you. That's not possible. And if he doesn't care about you, which is just a basic human emotion, then he definitely doesn't love you.
2: Mm.
1: And it doesn't matter how much I love him. If he doesn't love himself, I know it's that cliche of you have to love yourself to love other people. And I don't always believe in that. But he doesn't love himself, which is why he uses Mm -hmm. drugs. And it's why he feels that he's not worthy of love. He doesn't accept other people's love. And so it doesn't matter what I do or don't do. This isn't about me. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was in that January and I just I'd had enough of crying. I'd had enough. Yeah. Um, I, I want a family. That's something mm-hmm.
0: ever since
2: I
1: was little, all I've wanted is my own family and just some stability because I haven't had it. Yeah. And I just thought, I'm gonna, am I going to sacrifice all of that for this person? No, I'm not. I want a no. family and I can't have a family with this person. It's not safe to introduce a child to this environment. I can't guarantee he's going to lose his job while I'm on maternity leave. And then how do we pay the bills? Mm-hmm. How can I guarantee that a child is going to have him present in their life? I can't. No, And that was the final thing for me of I'm getting older and I need to, you know, do something before it's too late.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and so that's that's what I had to do.
2: Did it, did it feel a bit like Katie, like hearing you then kind of just how the shift and spending time listening to your story of how for so long it, it sounds like, you know, you kind of, you didn't think of that future you, you didn't think of that future of the family that you want and that future child of, would this be safe? Or would I be safe? Would it just be, did it almost feel like an awakening of just like someone has finally like just pulled up and just gone, you know, you deserve better now, um, And then how, and also as well, to to, to that question of like, what were the kind of, and how did you um, handle and get through the thoughts of like, okay, well, if I leave him, what does that mean for him? Like, how did, because as you said earlier, like those thoughts were prominent of he needs me and I need him, but like he needs me and kind of actually having to go of, I actually have to put that down because that will be what will keep you staying. Um, How did you work through that?
1: He has a great family network. Um, And Mm. while he's not incredibly close with his family, in the sense, emotionally, um, they talk daily or every other day. His parents are still here and they only live live a couple of roads away from me. Um, And they're wonderful people. Um, He has two older sisters um, who had their own families. And I knew that his parents would take him in. Yeah, yeah. Whether they wanted to was a different thing, but I knew that yeah. they would. That's their baby boy. And they would mm-hmm. take him in and look after him. So I knew that he wouldn't be on the streets. I knew he wouldn't be in danger and he had somewhere to go. And I knew that I'd done everything I could. I, I had done everything that I could. I had nothing else to try. And part of me was hoping that saying it's over and him going back to his parents might actually snap him out of it, might be the thing that makes him say, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna sort myself out because I'm gonna get my life back. Unfortunately, that's not been the case. Um, And I just want him to be happy.
0: You know, Whether we're
1: together, whether we're apart, we both deserve to be happy. Um, mm. and I think for me, just knowing that I had tried everything possible and the outcome was not going to be any different, I think was, that was the thing that made me kind of the light bulb moment where I thought yeah. my future's going to be gone. What happens yeah. is I'm still here in 10 years time in my forties and I'm not able to have a family. I've got no money. I've not had the life that. I want to have because mm. of this person and I'd got to the point where I was always looking over my shoulder he owes money mm. to not nice people and yeah. I don't know who these people are but you could google my name and see where I work I'm a veterinary nurse I work with some controlled drugs if they yeah. wanted to turn up at my work and make things difficult for me they they could if they wanted to they I don't do think yeah. they would but desperate people do desperate things and I did not want that to impact my career that I've worked really hard for. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't want to live my life looking over my shoulder all the time. Yeah. And even after he left, I spent the next six months terrified that bailiffs were going to come through my front door because letters yeah. were turning up here. Debt letters were turning up. And it got to the point I spent six weeks last summer not sleeping because I was scared they were going to come through my window at night. Um, And it took me calling a friend who happens to work in that industry to kind of reassure me that now I'm safe. It's not going to happen. If there's any problems, I can call him. But I don't want to live my life in fear. My mum isn't here to live her life and I'm still here. And I have the opportunity to get up and make every day as good as I can. And I want to do that. Not, Not just for her, but for me. You know, there are so many things I want to do still. And unfortunately, I can't do that with him in my life
2: which is a shame. Yeah. It's a shame and it's the, it's like, I feel, and this feels really like apt as well for like grief. Of, and I was thinking and talking about this a lot of like, um, you know, you don't ever in grief and whatever you're going through have to find, I think we're so conditioned in like society and toxic positivity to like find the silver lining and everything. And like, this is all happening for a reason and blah, 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 blah. And it can be applicable where necessary and, and some places not. And it's like, I feel like, you know, we as 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 bereaved children and, and everyone going through like a living loss, like we we will never be with okay with like what has happened to us and the people that we love. Um but we can be okay with like accepting like and I know that's, it's kind of hard to like say of like I'm not cool with or we're not okay with what's happening but I can accept
0: yeah,
2: kind of what has happened and that's really hard that's not and that's not for everybody people can never never accept you know the death of their loved one and stuff and like I feel like I can I can accept the love the, the death of my mum and kind of hearing you speak Kade, like kind of you can accept of what has, has happened to you and the shame the, like the shame of it all of like it's such a shame that this has happened and we've come to this, but I can accept of, of why this has happened um, and how freeing that can be and just like really freeing of you. And though it is so painful, and I don't, I can imagine it's still painful today. And even, you know, I'm so grateful to sit here today and talk to you about it. And I can imagine how much it's, it can be quite painful to reflect on and, and go back to, especially something that's so recent and still a living loss. If that's the part with a living loss, is that. <sighs> although it's very much that's a chapter that is, that is parked and bookended of your life, I can imagine a potentially, I'm trying to imagine if I was in a situation, is there always, is there always like a question of like, what if? Oh, like, yeah. Because, yeah. because it, they are still alive and kind of you're grieving for it, but always, but yeah. what if he really stayed clean and he got himself together and he came back? What if? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do it. I'm at that no. point now
1: where I couldn't yeah. because I've seen... I couldn't trust him. I wouldn't be able to trust him. Yeah. And I think you don't have a foundation for any friendship, relationship, whatever it is, if you don't have trust. Mm. Um, and do you know, it's it's been an interesting year because we separated in January um, and I didn't file for divorce until November just mm. because I was getting my life back on track, sorting myself out, maybe a bit selfishly, but I just wanted the dust to settle. Mm. And then having to tell him that, Okay, I'm I'm doing this, I'm I'm filing. Um was another loss. He did not take it well. He yeah. did not take it well at all. Um not that I expected him to, but I didn't think that he would be so surprised by it, being that it had been. Do you think there was a
2: part like as where you said, you thought when you finally said, I'm walking, sorry to interrupt you there. Mm-hmm. This is like how I was when I was like reading your letter and like going through, I was like, these are the questions, these are the questions that I have. <laughs> um, <laughs> of, do you think there was a part of like, you know, when you said, when you left, or kind of, it's almost like, you know, when, when I'm imagining that of like when you're having an argument, you're walking, when you just want them to chase after you and they don't. And then, so he's not chased you. And then when you filed for divorce, and then he's kind of had a flare up and gone, what? He's thinking, oh, well, she would, I thought she was going to come back. I thought she was going to have a bit of a breather. You were both kind of looking the other way, but always kind of looking back of like, who's going to budge? And you went, no, no I'm that done. And he was like, fuck. Big
1: that was a big pattern in mm. our relationship. We would have an argument. He would ignore me for however many days until I would have to break that barrier. And it was always me mm. coming back because I was like, life's too short to be miserable. Um, but it was a big pattern in our relationship that we would just naturally come back to each other. And I think he thought, yeah, she'll come back eventually. But Mm -hmm. even, even so that day that we had the conversation, I'd been out with my dad during the day and I just sat through lunch and cried and cried and cried, gone for a coffee, cried and cried. And I just thought, I've got to do it. What am I waiting for? I have to do it. And I just Mm -hmm. came home six o'clock in the evening and I just said to him, we're not happy. Um and he said, What are you saying? I said, I, th- I think we need to call it a day. And he said, Okay, well, I need to find somewhere to live. I was like, Okay, um, well, would your parents take you in? Well, I don't know, you know, me and my dad don't get along sometimes when we live together, but I'll call them. Okay.
0: Mm. And
1: that was it. That was the extent of the conversation. My marriage was no done. Fight, yeah We didn't yeah. fight. There was no but Katie, I love you, but but we're meant to spend our our lives together, but we're meant to have a family. There was nothing. And I was hysterical, went up to my room, called my sister who came over and stayed with me the night. And he ordered a takeaway. Mm. Just carried on as if everything was perfectly normal. Um, And less than 24 hours later, he was gone. I took, took the dog for a walk with my sister, came back and he was packing up his bags and he was gone. Yeah. Um and so for me, I had accepted he doesn't want to be with me, and I don't know if I think a part of him loves me or loved me, mm-hmm. but I don't know if it was just easy to be with me because I had my own place, and I would let him kind of come and go as he pleased. He was quite free to be whoever he wanted to be
0: mm-hmm.
1: and So I don't know if he was just kind of in that routine. Um, But when I did say to him, I'm filing for divorce, I took no, there was no pleasure in that. There was, it was horrible of having to kind of go through it all over again, open up that wound. Um, And he still had some things at my house, which I had to ask him to take, which he wasn't happy about um and he said some not very nice things and called me some not very nice things and I know it was out of hurt and he did apologize Mm -hmm. the next day for that um but part of me again was kind of hoping maybe this will snap him out of it um not for our relationship but for himself and I don't I don't know we're not in regular enough contact for me to know if that's been the case um I hope that there has been out of all of this that maybe he has thought you know what I deserve a family I deserve to be happy and I need to put the work in to get there um yeah but something you touched on earlier actually was kind of that acceptance Mm -hmm. for the first month or so um I was in that raw grief not eating not sleeping Mm -hmm. crying all the time and I was at work and um One of the guys said to me, "Oh, you look awful. You ill?" I said, "No, (laughs) no. um, I've just been crying and not sleeping because you know my marriage has ended." And he said, "Oh right, okay." So nice, so so eloquent. I was like, "Okay," and he said, "Um, "Do you want to talk about it?" So I, I told him very briefly, you know, that addiction had played a part. And he said to me, "You know, this has got nothing to do with you." I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm his wife. Yeah, it's got nothing to do with you. He said, Mm. addiction is more powerful than love, more powerful than anything else in the world. This has nothing to do with you. This is not personal to you. This is him and his journey and his story. And this person shared with me um, an experience they had had with addiction and turning their life around. And he said, look, it's been a long time for me and I've changed and put things in place that keep me safe, but it, it doesn't matter what someone says to you or what someone threatens you with. He said, you've threatened him however many times, but you were still there. He took the drugs and you were still there. So it didn't, it didn't matter what you were going to say. He has to want those things, and he has to want to change. This it doesn't matter if it's you, if it's his mum, if it's somebody else. It, it it's not a personal thing against you, and that for me was so freeing. I hadn't done anything wrong. I, I wasn't I wasn't the problem. Um, mm. The the problem was that he needs professional help to deal with what he's going through. And actually, mm. I'm not a professional. And whether I, I did something or I didn't do something, the consequences were going to be the same, and the outcome would likely have been very similar. Um mm. and actually, I think that for his friends, they should feel quite responsible for putting him in the position that they did that weekend. Because mm. that was the start of it all for him.
2: Um I was gonna say, yeah, like how towards, and again, kind of although it's like you know, it's his own decisions, but you know. <sighs> the environment that you're in and kind of knowing that this is just not good for your friend mm-hmm. and playing a huge part in the catalyst of like re ruining his life and then his marriage. And though, you know, ag- accountability is due where it's due. Oh. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I, I struggle with it and it, but it's not my place to to step in or intervene or get involved. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: since this has happened in his life, few of those friends have walked away because they don't feel that he's a positive influence around their children or that Mm. he's maybe safe for their children to be around and I think well you're all hypocrites because you're more than happy to take him away and put him in that position um you couldn't say no to a party you know he wanted to go fishing actually he wanted quite a a chilled stag do and you all wanted to have the party because he was one of the last ones in the group to get married and you couldn't you couldn't turn that down for what he wanted. You all wanted that. And you promised yeah. me to take care of him and you couldn't do it for a weekend.
2: Yeah, for oh, two I mean. days and look at the consequence of it all and kind of, yeah, now they have the cheat to turn their back on him yeah. and to to do, yeah, that's hard. And just, I can imagine, yeah, the, just the the yeah also yeah the additional hurt there of of looking at these people who i guess you know friends for between the pair of you for for a very long time and and the additional grief of that but to to round up katie i want to ask you it's kind of a question i ask people i asked back in the very early days of the podcast and i realized i haven't i've never really done it much and i might start bringing it back in this season of kind of asking about your younger self and kind of if you could go back to you know younger katie who's kind of i don't want to say when just met him because i wonder i suppose first question for this if you could go back to younger katie and like stand in front of her like in the street and be like don't talk to that boy don't get with him and here's why would you
1: 18 year old katie thought she knew everything <laughs>
2: as we all did
1: (laughs) and even if I was stood in front of me I know myself well enough to know that I'd be like I don't believe you, I can change him what are you talking about? Exactly. that's not going to happen I don't see the point on looking back on things and saying what if, oh but I think I think when we got back together um, even then I didn't listen to other people um and I because I believe that he'd changed. Um so I think there's no point in regretting decisions. Yeah. Can we change things? I guess we can change a decision and say, look, I've opted into this and now I'm opting out. But this has made me who I am. This is just another chapter in my 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 story, really, and I can put my hand on my heart and go to bed at night knowing I've tried everything. I've exhausted yeah. this. this unfortunately isn't going to work for the two of us and I when we initially separated after those seven and a half years I would at night wonder but what if but what if he changes but what if he does this you know you sometimes check social media to see what they're up to I don't need to do that anymore because I know I've done everything I can Mm. and I can put it to bed um but as far as my younger self goes I would say it will be a bumpy ride, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean it's a bad one because we've Mm -hmm. had some amazing experiences together. We've been to incredible places in the world. Um, We've done some wonderful things together and we loved each other. And some people go through an entire lifetime never knowing what that is. And I got it. Yeah. Okay, I don't have that now, but I had it. And I was really mm. lucky at a beautiful wedding day. I had all the people I love in one room and a marriage is not about that one day. It, that, that's not what I'm saying, but I got to yes. experience all of my loved ones together in one place for me and him. And to feel that love was beautiful. And I find it's really only kind of weddings and funerals that you kind of get those vibes, unfortunately. And sometimes, you know, Big, big milestone birthday parties, but you don't really get many of those nowadays. So, to have that experience of just feeling that love, I've been through a lot. And I had, I felt like after losing my mum, I kind of had small living losses in that I lost a lot of my friends because they didn't know mm-hmm. what to do. So, to look around that room and see all those people that had stood by me and had seen me through and literally picked me up off the floor who were still there and were championing me that was amazing and they're still in my life and they're still championing me and they still want me to be happy and yeah. they still look out for me and I, st- I still I'm so grateful for the people in my life that and, and a lot of people can't say that exactly I, I don't take that for granted I I really don't
2: I love that so it'll be a bumpy ride but love will be there
1: all the way roller coasters are fun <laughs> exactly one at
2: the end of it <laughs> throw your hands up and just see what happens.
1: why not to be sick on the way around <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> oh well katie thank you so much for joining me today on the grief gang podcast i know that this episode will absolutely help so many people who have lived or are living sort of situations like yourself so thank you for becoming and being so vulnerable and open and just a beautiful okay. human being
1: my pleasure. Can I just say, if anyone is going through what I have been through, my advice to them would be to seek support for yourself. I think that's one of the things I didn't do. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until my marriage ended that I was honest with people and told them what was going on. So I spent three mm-hmm. years struggling through. And there are um, support groups available via Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous for people who are carers or in relationships with people who themselves are struggling. Um, So please utilize those support services because I didn't and I really, really should have. Not that it would have changed the consequences or made me leave earlier or made me stay longer, but would have been better for my mental health in the long run and I think that's, looking after yourself is always paramount.
2: Thanks for tuning in this week I truly appreciate every single person who listens to the show by doing so you're actually helping more people find the show and in turn support themselves you can keep up to date and become part of the grief gang community by following us on social media platforms such as instagram facebook twitter and tiktok Check out our website and blog too, and if you fancy, you can sign up to our newsletter where you will receive regular emails and first-to-knows on events and workshops. All links for the above are in the episode footnotes. Big love, look after yourself, and I'm...
0: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?
2: will see you